Anything is Potable is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they are able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. The Celtics got two games up against the Heat coming up, big game, and then another one on Friday against the Nuggets. If you want to get into that game, use the game time app to get in the door at the lowest possible. That's a good week. It's a strong week, followed up by a not as strong a week uh, with the Cavs coming to town, but the game time app can get you there. The game time app can get you in the building. The game time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the game time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. Welcome back to Anything is Potable here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, joined as always, by the beat reporter for The Athletic covering the Boston Celtics, the kid, the legend, Jay King. The God. The God, too. I knew I knew I was forgetting one of your nicknames. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing? How was your Thanksgiving? You did not I, I the really, road trip uh, for the Celtics. I, I, well, I really disappointed Abby Chin today by referring to myself as the God. Apparently, she'd never heard me do that. Which is shocking, and, because I feel like that's common parlance for you. Yeah, and she looked around at the other runner. She's like, you guys just let him? You guys just let him refer to himself as the god? And I think the rest of them were like, he does this crap every day. Like, what <laughs> has to do this fucking moron? But but I, I disappointed Abby. It, it, was, it was a tough moment. That's a tough hit. All right, uh, today on Anything is Possible, we are talking about the Celtics New York swing where the defense struggled a little bit. We're talking about Marcus Smart being a warrior uh, and getting injured pretty much every 12 minutes. The possible return of Gordon Hayward, plus Kyrie's return to Boston, which happened last week, as well as uh, the junk drawer filled with all my dumb observations. And KG's comments about Kyrie. KG, not a big Kyrie guy. Which is uh, Celtics fans will love to hear. And then we'll uh, finish everything off with great... Williams, Settlers of Catan Table, although we might have to change it to Hamilton cast because Grant Williams was a big fan of Hamilton. It's how he celebrated his 21st birthday. But let's start with the Celtics, who went 2-1 and one with two games against the Nets. They split the home-and-home and, home and then one game against the Knicks. Uh, and I think the biggest takeaway for me was that the defense did, just did not look that great, uh, especially in the latter two games, and they kind of got lucky that the fact that they played uh, the Knicks. But... Um, Daniel Tice had a was kind of benched in the game on Friday against the Nets, and the defense just couldn't really do anything with Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, and that was kind of the lowest point and like kind of the most glaring memory for me uh, from the last three games. Yeah, that was a weird one because Tice is a the guy they've relied on. Tice is definitely their best defensive big man, and so. He got yanked for like two stints of Ennis Cantor and more Robert Williams. It it didn't make a lot of sense to me, especially as uh, Spencer Dinwiddie just went off. I think Dinwiddie hit a lot of tough shots in that game. It wasn't necessarily all the defense, but to me, if if you want to get stops, you want Tyson there. He's he's your guy, and for whatever reason, Stevens seemed peeved at him. There was uh, 
He got yanked super early, like 30 seconds into the third quarter. Never came back. I don't think the defense is like a, a lasting issue, um, but it has slipped a little bit lately. It, it was great at the end of the Knicks game, though. Like That was a fantastic final eight minutes of defense from the small lineup with Grant Williams at center and Shimmy Ojale at power forward, even after Marcus Smart had exited that game with his millionth injury of the season. Yeah, they absolutely put the clamps down. Just like, Knicks, you're not going to score here. And uh, the Knicks pretty much wilted. But uh, And it's interesting that like that strong defensive lineup came in with that, that small lineup. Against the Nets, it felt like Brad Stevens was trying pretty much anything without that. They were, Daniel they were doubling Dinwiddie like, near half court like he was James Harden playing. Time Lord was flying James out Harden. on traps. It was, it was insane. And they just the, – all the Nets had to do was make two passes and they like – had open shots and the but then you saw the Celtics try to go to um, Grant Williams another small lineup and switch and Dinwiddie just hunted out Grant Williams and as good as Grant Williams is for his size to be like a perimeter defender he's not going to guard Spencer Dinwiddie and they just like so you saw them trap you try, saw them try and switch then you saw them like with Time Lord go back to drop pick and roll and they're just like there was nothing they could really do uh, and this was just like after I think Jared Allen did a lot of good rim running to like kind of probe the defense in both games, uh, but especially so on Friday. Um, so it was good to see, I guess, that small ball lineup come back against the Knicks. The Knicks considerably less talent. I mean, really nothing. R.J. Barrett really faded at the end of that Knicks game, and you can pretty much let Julius Randle do whatever he wants. It's just that's that's a win for the defense. But So I think it was a mixed bag. It's just kind of confusing to see uh, what the big man rotation is because Time Lord – we we know why he got benched. He just made one of the dumbest backcourt uh, turnovers, and I think it's probably his ninth or tenth backcourt turnover this year. But he was benched in that game, so the rotation Brad is using has been kind of. Uh, is he the worst outlet passer in the NBA? He has to be. He's the worst backcourt decision maker in the NBA. It, it's funny because he actually is a gifted passer. He's Dime Lord. He does some really like he's done crazy passes, especially in the half court this year. But you're right. Yeah, he he like he throws some some beautiful bounce passes. He does some really impressive things. And then instead of like just taking his time after collecting a rebound, he just turns and fires. It's like it's like he forgets that he's on an NBA basketball court and that he needs to find an NBA basketball player on his team to throw the pass to. It is kind of troubling and those turnovers like None of those have really crushed the Celtics yet. But if he does that in an important part of the game, like, that's going to be distressing. <laughs> that is going to be infuriating for Brad Stevens. It is going to be infuriating for the rest of the Celtics. He needs to figure out the outlet pass thing and just kind of take his time and collect himself. Maybe take a deep breath and find somebody on his own team because that's happened way too often. It's like he's like in such uh, it's like defensive mode that as soon as he gets the ball, he just does like I'm not I'm not ready for offense right now. I need to get rid of it. And it's just he like it's not like he like collects himself and throws like just bad outlet passes. It seemed like he has this need to immediately get rid of the basketball. And he just launches the thing. He just launches it to nobody. Like the the one against the Knicks, he literally like. He didn't even really look behind him and just shoveled it left-handed straight to Taj Gibson, who's on the other team and who immediately got a dunk out of it. It was 
it was really just a, a special moment. Um, you talked to two players about kind of the development of uh, Robert Williams, and I thought it was actually more interesting. I thought like it because Marcus Smart said he's kind of the guy who's going to be in his ear, and then Jalen Brown's comments, which I thought were the most interesting, were just kind of pissed off by everyone being in his ear every time he made a mistake. So I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition between two kind of guys how to how to bring along Robert Williams. That was funny too because I didn't even. I didn't realize that would be Jalen's reaction to that. Like, I just, I had noticed some guys, not chirping Robert Williams, but giving him advice on the court. And so I asked Jalen about it. And immediately, he went to memories of guys barking at him. And him kind of being the one who took the most grief. And he was. Like, last year, I used to call him the Mario Chalmers of the Celtics. It seemed like no matter who was screwing up, he would he would get yelled he, at. He almost got in a fist fight with Mook. Yeah, but it, it wasn't just that one time. It was like consistently Jalen was the guy everyone targeted with their criticism, and I don't know why that was. Um, he has theories, apparently. That's what he told me, at least, but he wouldn't share those with me. But, oh, that's yeah, a I thought, it was, I thought it was really interesting that because of that, he kind of wants to just let Robert Williams be. And even when Robert Williams has those kind of confounding moments, Jalen's just going to just look the other way and Robert Williams will figure it out and let the coaches coach and he'll just kind of stay in his lane. Whereas Smart's totally opposite. And Smart's, Smart's really good, I think, at approaching guys the right way most of the time. Obviously, sometimes he loses his cool and snaps at Brad Stevens or whatever. But during most of his communications with teammates, like he – he knows how to interact with people. And Robert Williams seems to appreciate the way Smart talks to him. But, yeah, the Jalen comments, I, I thought, were, were really interesting because he was the guy that a lot of people just barked at. And and it stuck with him. It, it obviously frustrated him. And he, he was the one who brought that up immediately. Like, I had no idea that he was going to bring that up. It's wild. And I... I... I think probably his conspiracy theories have to do with Kyrie Irving. He was notably not one of the Celtics who stayed after in Brooklyn to give Kyrie a hug. But I wanted to talk about the other guy in the column, Marcus Smart, who's very intense and kind of leads with his emotions. Um, He's been getting hurt pretty much every half lately. And uh, he finally came out of the game uh, against the Knicks after taking, what was it? What did the Celtics dub? It was like an aggressive hit to the abdomen. Uh, they basically described it like a battleship, uh, which is a joke I stole from the Riffs man. So praise be to the Riffs man. But before the game, he was wearing uh, something like a rubber. Th- uh, I don't want to say cast, but it was certainly something rubber on his left hand, which I'd never seen him wear before. He was getting his back iced up. Uh, the man is banged up and he's not one to take himself out of the game. He's not one to do any sort of load management. But uh, if the Celtics are going to need him long term, um, he's probably going to need to sit, take some time off. Uh, I think he's doubtful against the Heat uh, in the game Wednesday night. But yeah, I think it's time. Up. I think it's time. The other day, uh, someone who's close to Smart told me, like after the Kings game, was it when he hurt a couple fingers and had a banged up hip? That after that game, uh, someone close to me said, close to him, said they told him like Marcus might be time to take some time off. And he was kind of like, no, nah, that's not happening. So Marcus Smart always wants to play. I'm sure he'll want to play again 
Wednesday night against the Heat, especially considering how well they've played and the Celtics will still be shorthanded without Gordon Hayward. They need all their best players, especially when they're shorthanded. Marcus Martin knows that. But I think at some point he's got to realize, like, this is all adding up. And I don't think it's all related, but just take a break, man. <laughs> like, just, just take a day off, take a couple days off, recharge a little bit, get healthier, and stop hurting yourself every game. His shooting, has, like especially from deep, has taken a dip over the, I think, last four or five games. Uh, I can't remember the exact time frame, but I think it was like 20% over that uh, those five games, which has went like way down from where he was 38% to start the year. So he definitely needs to take the time off. The thing that's like interesting to me is like, how does Brad Stevens trust Marcus Smart or like, because Marcus Smart, if you ask him, he's never going to be Because like, he trusts him and he loves him. He does trust him and he loves him. That's a direct quote. But does he trust him enough to not uh, like put himself in the game? Does he? Well, it's it's funny because smart to like tell him no. It's funny because smart has had enough injuries that Brad has already answered like four times. Does smart need (laughs) uh, (laughs) some load management? And Brad's every time kind of been like, yeah, the doctors have told me that he's okay. And this time, obviously, smart's doubtful. The uh, oblique thing wasn't a big deal just a contusion so he was sick today though like he really has just had every beat up <laughs> of malady you could have he's just like ticking off all the things that could go wrong it, it's time take a break get healthy and and come back later uh one guy who is healthy uh and i've seen him the whole people everyone's seen him shooting around before games in the locker room, uh, he looked like he was pretty much just ready to play. Uh, there's nothing, He was not wearing any casts on his broken left hand. Is Gordon Hayward. Um, from warm-ups, he looks like he's good to go. I know they're not going to risk it, but he seems well ahead of the six-week timetable, which is shocking because no one could have seen uh, him coming back before that six-week timetable. But you wrote about his return today. Um, what do you think his like, actual timetable is moving forward and what impact do you think that's going to have uh, on the Celtics? Yeah, I mean, watching him move, considering the fact that he's already back into like what he called hybrid contact, which was just drills with assistant coaches, I think he'll – and the, just the fact that he said he's ahead of schedule, um, it won't be until about Christmas – I highly doubt it'll be until about Christmas, which was the initial timeline. Um, He's obviously progressing toward a return quicker than that, or very much seems to be progressing toward a return quicker than that. And it's all good news. Obviously, the Celtics, like, they've had a little bit of slippage without him. And I think what really makes them, what separates them from a lot of teams is that they do have five guys who can make plays. And Hayward might be the best decision maker out of all of them. He is, when he's healthy, maybe the most efficient out of all of them. He was certainly playing the most efficient basketball before he went down. And he just makes the right play over and over again. And the Celtics miss that. And they miss it especially because some of the guys deep down the bench, Carson Edwards and Grant Williams and a few other guys, Javante Green sometimes, like, you don't know what you're going to get from those guys. You're, the Celtics haven't gotten much scoring at all from those guys this season. And 
they need another playmaker. They need another another shooter. And Hayward does all that while being one of their best defenders and one of the another wing with with a lot of size who can switch a lot. So he just does so much for them. They need him back, and I doubt it'll be long. Yeah, they. The, I think the offense needs him back the most. He is a, like the. We started by talking about the struggling defense, but I think this team. Um, there are certain nights when, uh, if I think the game on Friday was like the, a great demonstration of that. Uh, it's just like if sometimes like one of the top guys doesn't show up, they they kind of they really struggle. Like Jason Tatum had twenty six against the Nets on Friday, but Kemba had six seventeen. Jalen Brown had eight. They didn't really have that much uh, more offense. And so uh, Hayward's just another guy who can go out there and get you 20. And so his return is definitely going to be uh, just good for them in terms of the, they have like what have to play just better players. You're going to see less Carson Edwards, uh, less Javante Green, and just have general overall talent and uh, decision-making there out on the floor. Um, the thing that's crazy. I'm so interested I'm so interested to see what lineups Brad closes with when he has everybody back. That's what and I was going to say. Because the best Does he five, go with Gordon Hayward at center? Does he do it? I think he has to. Like that's Or Marcus Smart at center, whoever. Death lineup, right? And that, that lineup's played two games together for a total of five minutes. Like if the Celtics are not going to make a trade and they're going to be at their best peak Celtics, high flying, flying around – they're basically trying to go after like the Warriors model with Draymond uh, at center, like at the death lineup, like just a very small, fast team who can play excellent defense. Uh, that five-man lineup is going to have to get some minutes. And so we have, we've only gotten it for two games, less than five minutes. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do with that because that's like the, the big question I think is like, do you need a trade for a big man or not? It's like, oh, uh, can that five-man lineup be effective – so much so that you don't need a big man. Truth. Truth. You know what else is true? Guys, it's sometimes it's hard talking about erectile dysfunction. I mean, usually we just brush it off, blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or just avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or I'm sorry. Uh, but with Roman, it's easy to talk about. And you can talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman... You can get a free online evaluation uh, for ongoing care for ED with all the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate, and then they will ship it to you for free uh, within two days. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet, and you can get started using our promo code. That's uh, getroman.com slash Celtics. Uh, ED can be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today. Uh, with a doctor, again, you can get roman.com slash Celtics for a free online visit, free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash Celtics. Now, I have no good way to transition out of that ad, so let's move on to Kyrie Irving returning, uh, except not returning to uh, Boston when uh, the Nets came to Boston on Wednesday before Thanksgiving uh, and the fans there were lathered up and ready to boo. It was an electric atmosphere to start the game. Uh, but Kyrie did not make it, and people were pretty disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> they, I think they were disappointed, but they, they, they were also so committed to booing Kyrie, they just did it anyway. And there was a Where's Waldo guy who 
dressed up as where's Waldo with a where's Kyrie sign. There was two guys who had taped where's Kyrie to the back of their jerseys. There were God knows how many people screaming at the top of their lungs that Kyrie sucks. And then Jason Tatum was there to be like, uh, guys, Kyrie doesn't suck. We all know, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was great. Um, the Kyrie Instagram post. Let, let's talk about that because that was very interesting. Um, was it though? It was very Kyrie. Okay, so it it didn't make the most sense. Um, maybe wasn't the the greatest message, um, but I think it shows that like Kyrie's never realized. Or, or maybe he has realized, but all of this happened. The fans soured on him, and then the fans chanted at him because he never had enough accountability. And he would, when he was in Boston, a, a lot of the, the some of the issues started with him blaming younger guys and blaming the front office for not signing a fourteen or fifteen year vet and blaming whoever else in his post game press conferences. Instead of deciding, okay, I'm going to help these guys in a productive way, he turned into a force that hurt them. And then, like, he promised he would stay in Boston, then he left. He was, for for months, uh, a tough force to be around in the Celtics locker room. Someone who teammates and coaches have described as, as moody. Someone who they didn't know how he was going to act every day when he showed up at the arena. Um, and that's why fans turned against him. And then he no-showed against Milwaukee in the playoffs. If he would look inside and instead of thinking, woe is me, sports entertainment sucks, all of this is handled wrong, and just think, I get why these people have some hostility for me. I promised them something I never delivered. I turned into somebody who helped split apart the locker room, even if it was unknowingly, and and realized like everything he did that Boston dislikes him for, then he'd be in a much better place. But he's never done that. And like what did he expect? Did he expect That's fans the crazy to thing. Just- to just sit there and be like, we love Kyrie. Did he expect a tribute video? Like everything went so wrong. And it wasn't even like fans went over the top. They chanted Kyrie sucks and where's Kyrie? It wasn't like there was crazy messaging being being belted across the T D garden. It was just regular old chance. Um but he kind of blamed the entire system instead of just being like, you know what? In some ways, obviously, I don't deserve booze just because I left a place of work. But I get it because of everything that went wrong and my part in all of that. He could have just pointed the finger at himself, looked in the mirror. But he never really did that when he was in Boston. And obviously, he's he's not doing it or he wasn't doing it that night. It shows a complete lack of awareness of, like, what the NBA is. Like, he's been playing in the NBA for, what, six seasons now? Seven seasons? Uh, He should know that fans are going to be upset with that. And he's going to know that, like, he promised to be there and then left 
Uh, pretty much it's come out that he knew since March he was leaving, and then he had one of the worst playoff performances of all time. How like how is he surprised by this? Is like that Boston fans were intense and that didn't really want to like show him any love, especially when he wasn't there. Like he played in front of the Boston crowd for two years. He was hated by the Boston crowd for the first four years before that. He should understand fan behavior. It's just to go on. His rant was very classic in that it was the perfect Kyrie stream of consciousness, never really getting to a point, but saying some cool phrases, uh, but utterly just devoid of all meaning. Um, But it was just like, like, well, come on, man. It's, the fact that he was this, uh, like, it feels like he was truly blindsided by it, which doesn't make any sense. And it makes me think that, like, when he made the commercial comeback, he, like, genuinely felt that. And then, like, he just had a complete swing of emotion and completely changed his mind and was, he just doesn't seem to be operating in the same reality that all of us are. And I, I think he would probably agree with that. He's a he's on a different plane. Yeah, he is. He is definitely on a different plane. Uh, it's been interesting to see the 08 championship Celtics kind of come out and and bash him. Kendrick Perkins has done it. Paul Pierce has done it. Kevin Garnett did it um, while promoting his movie with Adam Sandler, Uncut Gems, which actually looks really good, by the way. It's one of those serious Adam Sandler movies where he's like uh, – you know, just a just a serious actor like Punch Drunk Love. Who knew the Sandman could do it? I know I got, a big Adam Sandler guy for this uh, Happy Gilmore and uh, Billy Madison. But do you like the serious Sandler? Is are you are you trolling me right now? Uh, no, you're a huge Adam Sandler guy. I actually got in the mix on Twitter one day because I said like it's it's rare that you or it's rare these days. To see, I forget exactly what I said, but basically, I, I was I was excited for the movie, and I said Adam Sandler doesn't doesn't have many good movies lately, and like a whole host of people came at me saying he's been this incredible dramatic actor his whole career, <laughs> and brought up Click and a long list of other. Oh my god, Click was shitty, a garbage movie. <laughs> shitty movies. Click Click was one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but. <laughs> But yeah, I was in the mix on Twitter for like probably 36 hours. Oh, so you're just, not a Sandler guy. <laughs> no, I'm a huge Adam Sandler guy. Like if I met Adam Sandler, it would be one of the peak days of my life. And I would probably rattle off at least 100 Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore quotes. But to say he's been good lately or to say he's this incredible dramatic actor is so far fetched. And I had I had like Adam Sandler stands just just raving about his performance in Click. And I was like, are you guys fucking kidding me? Is Click was an awful movie. The whole world trolling me. That was that was I felt like I got robbed after I paid <laughs> to go to the movie theater to watch that. That was the worst two hours or whatever it was of my entire life. I can't think and, of a single Adam Sandler movie that's been good in a while. Uh, I said Punch Drunk Love. I've never seen that movie, but I feel like people say it's good. So that was another one people that. stand. That was another one people stand. It was it was really incredible. I didn't know there were such fierce Adam Sandler dramatic actor supporters out there, but but they exist and and they are fierce. 
Um, but anyway, also fierce is Kevin Garnett. Yeah, I who, didn't see this quote. You got to fill me in. He basically came out and said um, he was not surprised that Kyrie Irving left Boston because it takes major cojones to play in Boston. And the obvious implication being that Kyrie Irving did not have enough cojones to play for the Celtics and to take that pressure on his shoulders. And so he is now the third, at least the third of the 08 member of the 08 Celtics who has come out and lashed out about Rondo or Kyrie. And I feel like Kyrie's everything that transpired with Kyrie last year just kind of rubbed them the wrong way because they felt that they always competed and they always left it on the floor. And in some ways they felt like he dishonored the franchise by everything he did last year. So they always turned it on and competed for championships. But, you know, we were talking about this all decade pod towards the end of 2010. They didn't always bring it, but when it counted, they definitely kind of stepped up. And I think that's like the biggest critique of Kyrie Irving, at least from their perspective, is this guy just like no showed entirely in the playoffs. Uh, But the the cojones factor from KG, I wonder, is he is area 21 still going on? That's definitely seen it this year. I don't think Area 21 exists anymore. That's too bad. A, a true shame. But he's a movie star now. Well, apparently he's a movie star. They just Some network needs to pick him up and just give him a show. The worst thing about Area 21 is that... I'm saying, why don't you sign him, Paul Pierce, and Kendrick Perkins and just let him go wild? Just Yeah, just like put on the cameras for a half hour and do nothing. Unleash those three guys. Hire maybe a host. That's maybe, television. Easy television. Maybe, maybe Sean Grandy. Ooh. Get him out there. Boom. Now you now you got a show. And now you got electric content with those guys just just going hard. Because those guys all have hot takes. And I mean, Perk has some of the hottest takes on Twitter, and he's just uh not all not a lot of times I agree with him, but by this point, all three of those guys have uh TV experience. Perk's on the jump. Paul Pierce is on ESPN. KG did Area 21. Like they, they know how to like say stuff on camera. It should definitely work out. Yeah, those guys are all, I think, free. They, they that needs to happen. Like the fact that nobody has done that yet is kind of mind-boggling. With all those guys out there, let somebody hire those guys. Put them in a room. Just let them talk about what they want to talk about. Don't even give KG a cuss button. <laughs> just let him let him go. Let him go. Let Perk go. Let Pierce go, and just just see what they say because those guys have strong opinions. And I and I think too, like if they were all together, the the actual basketball talk would be a lot of fun. They, you just need to let them go. Yeah, you just need to let like the, let the nonsense get out there. And, but they eventually they come up with like very like astute analysis. I mean, speaking of Pierce. Did you see where the New York Nets sat him on the Friday game? The New York Nets? You know what I mean. Brooklyn Nets. When they sat Paul Where Pierce. they sat him. They gave He was in attendance to game on Friday. Oh, no. Did you see where his seats were? He, I did not. 25th row. Would somebody put Paul Pierce in the front row, please? Maybe not the front. doesn't have to be the front row, but then, they, like, the the cheering section. Okay, what— we're going to have to take a, a quick break, but we'll get back to this in a full junk drawer and then Sellers of Katam because I have a lot of things to say about the uh, the cheering section. But first, I want to talk to you guys about StockX. Do you ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that just hit the shelves? 
The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Jay King, you're a big streetwear guy. I mean, I'm always seeing you show up to games and hoodies. Where do you go to get uh, such such garbs, such items? StockX, obviously. I mean, they got the best shoes available. If you want need any Jordans, you need uh, the Air Max 95s. You can tell I'm not like much of a sneaker guy. Uh, but if I was going to get sneakers, I would definitely get them from StockX. StockX is all about transparency. You can sh- uh, now shop smarter. They actually have they have a great selection at great prices, and you should definitely go. I mean, J. King ran into an Uber driver who just had a StockX sticker on his car, and that's just because he was a huge fan of the company. Like, that just doesn't happen. StockX will provide you real-time market data. They ensure that all of their shoes are legit. You're not getting any knockoffs, and you're not getting burned by fakes. There's no risk in using StockX, and so uh, you can go there. Maybe you can get some of those Marcus Smart Pumas. I'm a big fan of those. You can get Carson Edwards, his all-pink shoes which are uh, fantastic, by the way. You can go to StockX.com slash B-Ball. You can get a surprise offer that won't be around for that long. Again, that's StockX.com slash B-Ball. Check it out today. Now, as I was saying, before uh, Paul Pierce was sat in the 25th row, so that's already disrespectful as it is from the Nets. Then this Nets have this weird like cheering section, which is right next to the press box in Brooklyn, and they basically try to make it like a European soccer game where they like lead a bunch of chants. It's called The Block. Um, and it's literally crisis actors. It's literally just paid people to be uh, voices. But they had a Paul Pierce uh, sucks chant later on in the game. And it's just, how are you going to do that to him, Nets? Imagine Paul Pierce sitting in the 25th row and the own Nets cheering section. He won this team a playoff series is chanting Paul Pierce sucks. The disrespect, it's a its a joke franchise. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that is. Although I will say, from the Nets standpoint, like Pierce and KG, that trade ruined the franchise. That's not Paul Pierce's fault. It's its not. <laughs> like, they, they put their hands, they put their franchise in the hands of, of two guys who weren't ready to be the, the lead guys anymore, and then Darren Williams... I don't know exactly what happened to cause him to fall off very quickly. It was just a poor mix. It turned into an awful trade. Um, but they bounced back from it. They probably shouldn't be tra- chanting Paul Pierce sucks. It's just a weird move because he didn't really wrong the franchise at all. But that's how it goes. I love that Pierce was there just just reveling in it. Flaunting his ring, definitely wearing the ring, definitely uh, trying to be known that it's Paul Pierce. Um, the cheering section also is just was kind of weak the entire night. A bunch of Kyrie's better chants when Kemba was at the line. I don't know. I was probably uh, very much distracted by it because I have uh, ADD and it was right next to me so I could hear all the things. But um, just like a weird back and forth between um, Nets fans and I guess the, the Celtics. It was just a, a bizarre time. Two other things I want to talk about just quickly before we get to the full junk drawer. Tremont Waters, G League Player of the Month. Who saw that coming? Uh, I mean, he's been playing very well for a team that's that's winning a lot of games. He won G League Player of the Week, so I kind of saw that coming. Oh, Jay King saw that coming. That's a <laughs> reporter for TheAthletic.com. <laughs> TheAthletic.com slash anything is potable. You can get 40% off. I think you can probably get 50% off at this point if you give it a gift for Christmas 
so if you want hot takes like Trayvon Waters is good uh, from Jay King, go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. I think the only other thing um, I really wanted to talk about, and I think maybe I'm stealing this from the Catan segment, but I think it deserves its own segment. Brad Wadmaker is a 50-40-90 player, and he might be the best transition basketball player in the league on offense and defense. He's basically the, the main guy who stepped up to replace Gordon Hayward. He's amazing. He has been very good. Since Hayward went down, he's averaging 10 points and 3.5 and assists in 21 and a half minutes. Like you said, he's been super efficient. He has, he just uses his, he just kind of like bowls people over in transition and finishes at the rim and draws free throws. He's very good at just swiping down at the basketball and stripping guys without fouling. It's such a weird talent, but he's like, you can tell he's elite at it. Yeah, like he is actually very good at that. And he does it Almost once a game, it feels like. Um, another guy who was good at that, Evan Turner. Like, just that was one of his skills. And Brad Wanamaker, maybe it's because he just has, like, the old man game. He definitely has the old man game. By the way, he's 80th percentile in transition in scoring 1.281 points per possession. That was a very quick, like, J. King turn of what is NBA.com he just used. Synergy, baby. Ooh, he's on that synergy level. That was a quick turnaround. Look who's where he is. Uh, synergy, baby. That's that's and why you're a pro's pro. If you include possessions plus assists, he's in the 83rd percentile. So maybe my so. I, uh, comment that he's the best transition player in the league is a little bit a uh, bit of a stretch, but you know I've been known to make some hyperbole. But he's been solid, and I think it, he's just very good at like making layups and going. It's and, it's kind of funny because, like, his athletic profile, you wouldn't think he's, like, this transition bulldozer. My brother hypothesized, and this could be a good theory, that because he doesn't have that elite athleticism, that transitions the one time when he has enough space to, like, really go into his bag. And that makes sense. And then he's super strong, and he can finish through guys. He can draw contact. He gets the line. He's just been... And it's huge for them because, and I think when Hayward gets back, like Brad Stevens' bench is kind of figured out, right? Marcus Smart will come off the bench when they're healthy. Brad Wanamaker will come off the bench when they're healthy. They'll play Ennis Cantor and Robert Williams behind Daniel Tice. They'll go with some combination of Shimmy Ojale and Grant Williams. And every once in a while, they'll throw like Carson Edwards or Javante Green in there. But for the most part, I think it's going to be Marcus Smart and Brad Wanamaker on the perimeter. And Brad Stevens won't have to like just throw darts all the time with his bench like he's had to with Carson Edwards and Javante Green and all those guys who haven't really done much. No, it, it just makes the entire roster that much better. But Wanamaker has been uh, just the probably the most cons- – I wouldn't say the most consistent. Maybe I'll say the most consistent. He's been very consistent. And we don't need to compare him to others. But he's been a rock, and he deserved his own segment, so I had to give it to him. He's just a sturdy bro. He's a sturdy bro. Um all right, that's that's it from me. Before we get into the junk drawer, do you have any? I want you can start with the junk drawer. You you were not in the uh, on the New York trip. Do you have any um, takeaways from observing the games as as, a, as most fans do um, from the comfort of your of your house? Uh, I, I just see, put I you on the spot here. I'm, I'm sorry I wasn't prepared that. for the junk drawer. The junk drawer is is your domain. 
And I got nothing for you. All right, that's fair. I'll get right into it. Starting with Enos Cantor showed up to the uh, night before Thanksgiving in just some of the most ridiculous pairs of jeans. Then he had a double-double. I think it's a coincidence. Um, uh, Vinny Sex Pants had some comments on it. Uh, he just looked uh, absolutely absurd. And then he said James Dolan was his best friend, which was also a, a kind of a weird comment from Ennis Cantor. What was your takeaway about Ennis Cantor's snowball fight? I was just generally confused. I couldn't really identify the other people in the video. I also wasn't in Boston in the time, so the time frame didn't like make sense to me because I didn't realize it was that snowy. I don't know. Just general confusion for me. I was just trying to figure out whether the other Celtics were like into it or whether or they were like, just like, oh, man, fuck God this damn it, Ennis. We're just trying to get to the plane or get off the plane or whatever they were doing. And you're chucking snowballs at us so that you can then put it to Twitter. I couldn't tell whether everyone was annoyed or into it. Um, Robert Williams had some quotes to Chris Forsberg suggesting that at least he was into it, which I'm not surprised by. <laughs> but I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. I, I, I was very impressed, though, that Ennis Cantor is a uh, – seems to be a big Harry Potter guy. He took a picture of the Chamber of Secrets. Ooh, or so a you, room you, that you did have some like junk. Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. I've got, I've got a low-key Harry Potter guy. I'm no, I'm no low-key Harry Potter guy. <laughs> I'm a high-key Harry Potter guy. Last, last year, I went to a Harry Potter-themed Christmas party. Ooh. Do you wear a costume? Uh, you know what? That's it's a little embarrassing. I bought a Dobby mask, but Amazon failed me and didn't bring it in time, and so I had to go and wear a Muggle chain. Bro, you're one of the most Snape-looking dudes there is. We've seen the photoshops. For you not to go as Snape is a sick joke. But I had to go as Dobby. Dobby is the most selfless character in the entire thing. Um, Dobby so wouldn't call show, himself the I legend had, or the kid or the god, so you really want. I had to show respect to the god. The God Dobby. That's fair. That's fair. All right, moving on to Junk Jord. Uh, longtime followers of uh, the Jam Packer product will know I'm a big critic of the JetBlue flight crew. This is the the mascot Lucky and his acrobat friends doing a bunch of dunks. Uh, and at the game on Wednesday night, they actually added some difficulty, which is something that Red Panda will never do. My God, she's been doing the same act for 20 years. But no, the JetBlue fl flight crew... Uh, tries to change it up a bit. So they lifted a giant screen in between the trampoline they were doing dunks from and the net and knocked it down. And, you know, I'm a big JetBlue JBFC fan, so I was already filming the performance, and I tweeted it out. But then Lucky tweeted it at me. And he was like, yo, Jam, hopefully you're reviewing our great performances. That was for you. Um, so, you know, just having an effect on the people out here. It's like my tweets matter. I'm improving product, and I'm just glad to see the, the JBFCs listening. My tweets kind of matter. I'm a proven product. That is an all-time jam quote right now. <laughs> I, the, the, I mean, they added some props. They improved their product. I got to use it as a, uh, a time to tweet at that uh, slime mascot, Franklin the Dog in the 76ers. But um, I've, yet to, I've yet to catch up with Lucky. But I'm glad they're, like, they're, they've embraced the Kaizen approach, consistently trying to get better. I am a proven product. You cannot come at me for uh, arrogance right now when you led calling yourself the God. Abby Chin scolded you for calling yourself the God. But when I call myself the God, it's it's really a sarcastic the God. It's oh, and I've, I've never been known to make uh, outlandish statements for a bit. Never. This the, is proof's, <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. 
they were they I've tweeted enough about them that they went and changed their mid game act to make it cooler. Abby Abby would have been disappointed by by your obvious arrogance. Yeah, but she would have been delighted to see that the JetBlue flight crew was doing cool ass dunks over a giant barrier. That's just like you can't deny. Like I, I'm I'm doing things here. I'm making. I'm, it's a movement. Okay, what's next in your junk drawer? Um, one thing where I didn't try to make a movement was Marcus Smart had his whole broom incident after the game or during the game, and they tried to chant. Uh, or no, they didn't. They didn't try to chant. They actually chanted the Celtics fans MVP. It was a great brouhaha. Everyone was having a, a great time. Um, and I was more of a broom haha, if you ask. Me. Oh, well done. Uh, and after the game, I was gonna, uh, I tweeted out like a fake question for Brad, like gonna ask him about it. I was gonna say, it's like, oh, is there anything else Marcus Smart can't do? As soon as I press send on that tweet, Corrales steps up, former part of the tripartite, and asks the exact question. Brad answers it perfectly and is just like, damn. I missed my moment. You know, some people step up and aren't afraid to take the shot. And then me, a guy who's a movement, a guy who's important, a guy who gets things done, I was too scared at the moment. I just, I just. Maybe it's Corrales who's the true proven product here. I mean, he's getting the viral comments. Like, no one, I was the only one who saw really the JetBlue Fly crew do cool things. Everyone saw Brad Stevens kind of answer that question. And so maybe it's Corrales. I think it's Corrales. Um, back to me being awesome. Mike Breen called him uh, downtown Jalen Brown. Just had to note that. Um, speaking of, has Jalen Brown just like learned like learned how to pump fake this year and just like completely changed his entire game? He had a like, horrendous game against the Knicks, but or against the Nets on Friday. Uh, but he still had some like cool pump fakes. Almost tried to kill uh, kill a guy. Very homicidal. Ended up being called for a foul. But we'll get to this in the Settlers of Catan. But Tatum and Brown were. Just about as good as they've ever been together against the Knicks, I thought. Those I, dudes were, were really good. I would have to agree. And big props go to Jalen's pump fake. Um, the game on Friday started at noon, which uh, for the reason was because the Barclays Center had two games at night for the preseason NIT. In what world does an NBA basketball game take a backseat to the preseason NIT? It was like Oklahoma State – Versus some other god awful college basketball team, it was it was upsetting. It was nonsense. It was the end of the game, man. You got to show the end of the game. End of what game? They have other networks to. to no, I'm show. talking about why the game started so early on Friday. Because, because Syracuse the, was playing in Barclays Center, bro. Yeah, they're playing in the preseason NIT. That's not a thing. No one cares about that. You think they had better attendance for the preseason NIT than they did? Uh, because they wanted the kid to be able to hang out with his family while at home in Western Massachusetts. That's fair. All right. So you 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 called in a favor. Yeah, I'm the proven product here. <laughs> uh, all right. More things from the Knicks. Uh, just a terrible crowd there on Sunday night. The Knicks are a pathetic franchise. They got stomped by the Bucks. Uh, the other day, um, just no one, just no one was very excited in that game except for two things happened. They had a baby race at halftime, uh, and the babies refused to move. Just a pathetic performance from these kids. Uh, they had to move the the finish line up about thirty five feet. Uh, it was just they just weren't ready for prime time. That is a true shame. And it's just like, you expect better. This is like, this is the Big Apple. This is the Mecca. And it's just, uh, you, 
I expect better from the babies. Especially they were hyping up the babies a lot. It was, it was kind of BS. So here's the thing. This is a soft generation. Yeah. You, you can't bring the finish line back to the babies. You should have them out there like cool runnings, carrying the goddamn bobsled to the finish line if they need to. It that's, should be That's instinct. the difference. Ba- back in my day, Sanka and Darius and Yule Brenner, <laughs> they carried their goddamn bobsled. And Junior, they carried it to the finish line while Irv Blitzer, the sled god, cheered from the sidelines. And while everybody in attendance wearing Go Jam shirts cheered in attendance. And I need one of those Go Jam they, shirts. They made their countries proud back in my day, but now we got... Now we're just bringing the finish line back to these useless babies. <laughs> and it, it's really a sad state of of the world, really. Because in my day, you know, if you asked Sanka if he was dead, he said, no, man. And then he, <laughs> and then he stood up and he, he took his bobsled across the finish line. The babies just need to have the instincts that if they're lined up to, with eight other babies, yeah, you're going to race. You got to crawl. It's just, and they just, none of them had the fight in them. And then... So that was like pretty much the highlight of the game. And then uh, the other biggest cheer of the night was just the appearance of Akon, who hasn't been relevant in six years. Uh, Believe me, he deserves it, though. That guy uh, came with the hits. But that was the highlight for Knicks fans in uh, otherwise, which is a a pretty, pretty bad basketball game into the fourth quarter. But you just brought it up. Um, Let's get to Grant Williams, Settlers of Catan table. We do this every week. Uh, we try to name the four best players on the Celtics, or maybe not best, but the four most deserving guys uh, to get to play and sit at the table and play settlers with Grant Williams. No, maybe not with Grant Williams. He has to, I guess, make his own table, but it's his table. He owns it. He lets ever the other guys play. You brought up two guys who played pretty dynamically together in that game uh, in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Are you declaring that both of them get seats at the table? I am... Declaring thusly. And let it so be declared. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, yeah, those, those guys deserve a spot. They were fantastic against the Knicks. Tatum set a career high in assists, also had 30 points, also had five rebounds. Brown had 28 points. He was just really good. They were, they were too much for the Knicks to handle, and... When they're on, when the when the Celtics have at least two of their wing players going, they're really tough because whether it's Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and then Kemba pretty much is normally on most of the time, although he wasn't against New York. They just come at you from all angles, and they got guys who can beat you from all angles, and they're kind of built differently for most teams in the sense that they have a lot of shot creators and and they can have any anybody go off on a different night and anybody who can create shots for themselves on a different night and against New York it was those two guys and and they're young bros and they're still growing but they have moments where they just look really damn good it was interesting actually Jalen Brown was on the um Steven Jackson Oh my God. And Matt Barnes podcast, all the smoke. And he's talking about like their two personalities and how they're like basically direct opposites. Whereas Tatum's just like the cool, calm and collected status quo guy. And uh, Jalen Brown's always just like uh, in his head and thinking crazy thoughts and doing uh, different things, but they're very dynamic on the court together. Whereas Tatum's more of a kind of 
create like shimmy guy, create his own shot. Definitely struggles as with getting to the basket, but Jalen Brown um, uh, has been great at getting to the basket this year. I think Tatum, if we were to rank them, Tatum was more consistent over that time just because Jalen did have such a down game uh, against the Nets on Friday, but you're right. Both of them were fantastic, uh, especially in that um, Knicks game. And I think like, the thing that I think Jalen Brown gets more credit for his defense than Tatum does, although um, I would say both of them have become really good defenders and guys you can kind of switch on to anyone. And Tatum, especially with his deflections this year, uh, has been fantastic. As he mentioned, he had uh, two steals and two blocks in that game against the Knicks, that, but uh, they've both been great, and I would agree. And so it's declared. Two guys sitting at the Sellers of Catan table. You know who the third guy is. I already brought him up. I already gave him his own segment. I think Bron, Brad Watermaker has to be the third. Any objections? Absolutely not. Brad oh, hearing no objections. Mr. Consistency, Mr. Reliable, Mr. Mr. Solid God, the God of solidness. Now, the fourth one, I was looking at the... The God of sturdy play. The God of sturdy play. You have a, you're, you're a multi-theistic man because there's many gods in your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I I worship the basketball gods, and, which which and, there are many. It's a plural plural thing. Gods gods plural. Yeah, a lot of gods. Now for the fourth position, I was looking at the box scores. I was trying to figure out who was the uh, third guy. No one really stood out. Um, but then I realized just like how much recency bias uh, takes over, and I was really just remembering the two games in New York, and just like completely forgot about. Kemba dropping 39 against uh, the Nets before Thanksgiving. And like, he just has to be on the list. That was, he had an incredible performance and I don't see how it could be really anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think some consideration should go to Ennis Cantor, who's been pretty solid. Um, he was like had a solid game here and there, but like, did he enough to be on the on the um, on the table? Like, I just like he's Kem- no. I, I just said some consideration. This wasn't a, a nomination. Some consideration. Some consideration goes to Shimmy Ojale, who has been pretty solid since beginning to play minutes. The best three-point shooter on the team, again, more hyperbole, but my confidence in Semi taking threes has gone up tenfold. See? Uh, And some consideration should probably go to Grant Williams for his fourth quarter against the Knicks. He was just making winning plays. But But he he called that timeout uh, when he was on the floor in the fourth Knicks game, and Brad Stevens was – the most like animated I've ever seen him on the on the sideline, and so I don't. That was Grant could make it. That was such a rookie moment because in college, that timeout is always a good play, or at least it feels like that timeout is always a good play because having timeouts you don't advance it, and then there were eleven seconds left, and the Celtics were down, I believe, two scores, and if they had been able to advance it, they would have had a chance. Instead, they could not advance it because Grant Williams had dove to the floor, and. When somebody was available at the three-point arc, he he like he didn't have to call timeout. No, the pass he was definitely the there for him. It was it was just such a college move. Like he still had that college mentality inside of him, and it, it was funny to see the Celtics' reaction to that. Like, especially because it's Grant Williams, who's normally like such a smart guy on the court, and in that moment, he was just like 
it was it was a college moment. And but he learned. He'll never do that again. No, he will not. And he turned twenty one. He went to go see Hamilton. Uh he had a great time. Uh he was at a plus seventeen against the Knicks and was definitely big in that fourth quarter. But again, I'm just coming back to to Kemba Walker. Uh 13 for 24 in that game, 6 of 10 from 3, 7 of 7 from the free throw line, dropped 39 points. He was just a fantastic end. Like, the very boozed up crowd on that night was loving it late. Uh, that was, it was fantastic stuff. No doubt. We'll, we'll throw Kemba in there. He deserves it. All right. That sounds like we're going to wrap it up. Uh It's been a good week. We'll come back to you on Thursday after with some analysis of the Heat game. If you want to read Jay King and get all of his great insights, you need to subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, Get it as a gift. Get it for yourself as a gift. Treat yourself. You can go to uh, theathletic.com slash anything is potable to read the great Jay King's writing, the kid, the god, the legend. Uh, Or if you want to hear that podcast on Thursday, that one will be behind the paywall. So uh, please subscribe. Um, This has been... Another subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. By ooh, ooh, that's right. where I subscribe, and you then can, give us a five star rating. A five star rating would be fantastic. You can uh, subscribe anywhere you get podcasts, uh, but please subscribe to the show, subscribe to the Athletic, subscribe to both of our Twitter pages, uh, and just uh, keep being winners. And thank you for listening to Anything Is Potable. Dope.